It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade. His campaign created a little jingle reminding everyone that they liked Ike. Since then, likability has been sort of omnipresent and also elusive. All candidates apparently need to have it, but some of them apparently don't. Barack Obama was considered likable in 2008, which led to this. He's very likable. I, I, I agree with that. I don't think I'm that bad. Um, uh, you're likable no. enough. Thank Hillary. you. And today there is one person in particular whose ability to be likable enough is really sort of in question. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. According to the New York Times, DeSantis and his team had internal conversations acknowledging the need for him to engage in the basics of political courtship, small talk, handshaking, eye contact. Uh, there you go. Uh, that is some of the nuances that might make or break a candidacy and also in your life, right? One-on-one meetings, how do you make the most of it? When you're conducting meetings, how do you get the most of your staff? Or how do you produce most for the person you work for? Uh, Stephen Rogelberg is a Ph.D. and Chancellor's, uh, uh, Chancellor's Professor at UNC Charlotte, author of the new book, Glad We Met, The Art and Science of One-on-One Meetings. Stephen, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's really great to be here. So, Stephen, let's start from the political end. You heard for the longest time about Governor DeSantis. Man, he's a man of action. He gets things done. Two substantial election wins. One came out of nowhere to win the first time, and then he wins uh, overwhelmingly the second time. When he starts running for president, people say he's having trouble connecting. When, when someone says that, what do you think of right away? Yeah, the lack of connection just refers to this idea of, um, you know, whether you're truly, when you're meeting someone for the first time, you know, do they seem to actually be interested in you, right? Are they trying to understand who you are and your needs? And then trying to use that information as momentum for them to talk about some of the things that, you know, might be interesting and important to you. But ultimately, it's about connection. It's about this belief that this person is truly listening and truly interested. And what is your advice? First off, uh, Bill Clinton was a master at it. Barack Obama was strong at it. They say George W. Bush was great at it. Al Gore, not much of a connector. So what what do you need to do to connect to someone? Look in their eyes and be genuine? Yeah. I, you know, first of all, I think it starts by trying to remember people's names. We're often really bad at that. You know, when we meet someone for the first time and we hear their name, we typically forget it. And we forget it because we're thinking about what we're going to say next. We forget it because we don't truly care. So when we meet people, we want to take extra effort to remember their names. We then want to connect by asking questions, right? Trying to understand who this person is, find common interests, but also look for dissimilar interests and explore it and learn about it. You know, so those are kind of the foundations. And then just being pleasant, you know, nice, Eye contact, smiling, bring the person in, help the person feel safe. Right now, some of the stuff was was innate in all of us. You learn from your parents, you go to meet people, you have to go to meet adults when you're a little kid, How you have to look them in the eye and have a firm handshake. But now in the advent of the phones, you got to go back to the basics in many cases. <laughs> yeah, you know, good interpersonal skills are not a given. I mean, people need to get some feedback 
Um, they need to take an interest in leveling up their skills. I mean, that's actually one of the things I think is intriguing about this, this new book is, you know, it's taking a common activity that people think they're really good at, but they're not, and trying to cast, put a mirror in front of their face so they can see what's going on and teach them some new techniques. Yeah, I mean, the, the numbers are pretty staggering that you outline in your book, how many people will have a one-on-one meetings on a regular basis. Uh, and it's about time that you learn to, to master them. So besides caring and listening, you're talking about you're estimated that 200 to 500 million one-on-one meetings are held each day around the world. Uh, some are transformative and some can destroy you because people have a negative impression of you. So what's the things you want people to take away from now? Well, let's back up and think about what is a good one-on-one meeting. So when I talk about a one-on-one, I'm really getting into this connection between the manager and their team member, right? This is a meeting that's facilitated and orchestrated by a manager, but it's not for the it's for the direct report. It's for the direct report to be able to share what's on their mind, their concerns, their needs, and for the manager to listen and respond and to ask good questions. So it's a really special activity that can occur at work that allows people to feel seen. And that's what we all want, right? When you think about the various contexts that we operate in, work, home, or whatever, we want to be seen. So an excellent one-on-one is about truly seeing your direct report. And by doing so, you're able to offer the support needed, the guidance needed, the counsel needed to help this person truly thrive. Listen to the all-new Brett Bear podcast featuring Common Ground, in-depth talks with lawmakers from opposite sides of the aisle, along with all your Brett Bear favorites like his all-star panel and much more. Available now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. What about it from the leadership level when you have to conduct a meeting that's not one-on-one, where you'll have one-on-one eventually with these people, but you got to conduct, get their attention in a group setting? So in general, just how do you run excellent meetings? Yep. Wow, <laughs> that's, that's a fabulous and huge question. I have another book I wrote about that topic, by the way, called The Surprising Science of Meetings. You know, basically, you know, creating a great meeting um, starts with having a compelling purpose to meet, right? So often we just meet out of habit, and that's not why we should meet. You know, having a good meeting means that we invited the right people, um, that we're actively facilitating conversation. As a leader, if we're doing the vast majority of the talking, we're failing. Also, having a good meeting starts with an agenda. But we need to start thinking about agendas differently. Instead of just framing your agenda as a set of topics to be discussed, I want to challenge leaders to start framing their agenda as a set of questions to be answered. And by framing your agenda as a set of questions to be answered, now you have to truly think about the meeting and what you're trying to achieve, right? By framing your agenda items as questions, now you have a better sense of who really has to be there, the relevance to the questions. By framing your agenda items as questions, you know if the meeting has been successful because the questions have been answered. And if you just can't think of any questions, it likely means you don't need a meeting. So who give you who's an example that you hold up as somebody who gets it, uh, how to meet someone one on one and 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 impress them? 
that is the sad thing. Like there, I, there isn't a good example. This is a horrible blind spot. Um, you know, in our research, we generally find that if you survey people coming out of a one-on-one -on -one meeting, the person that thinks it went really well is the person who the meeting was not for. The manager thinks it went much better than the direct. And clearly that's a problem. It just appears that there's this blind spot. And while I can certainly find individuals who um, you know, execute better, you know, in terms of high profile CEOs, I have not found, I have not found a good example. So interesting, uh, as terms of a politician, do you think Bill Clinton was probably the best of modern day politicians? You know, it's hard for me to, you know, to answer because, you know, I'm only observing from afar. Like right. I didn't have that personal conversation. Certainly from what I've heard, so many politicians are really good at this. You know, they would have elevated to the state that they're at to like, I don't think DeSantis is bad at it. It's just, it's been supercharged, right? Everything's on steroids. I think to reach this level of political success, all of these folks have, have good abilities. Um, it's just being under the microscope all the time and having every single interaction analyzed mm. um, and everything is you know, fully available online. You know, the narrative is hard to maintain. What do you try to do? So right now, if you walked in and you have to do an interview on a podcast, you want to connect with that host uh, as you do your book tour. And by the way, we're talking to Stephen Rogelberg. He's a Ph.D. Uh, he's a UNC professor, uh, uh, professor at UNC uh, and author of the new book, Glad We Met, The Art and Science of One-on-One -on -one Meetings. What do you try to do? Like what works for Stephen? What works for me is first caring, you know, genuinely caring. We have so many interactions with people where we don't really care, right? We just see them as um, tools to help us get our work done. And one-on-one -on -one meetings, you have to have a different perspective. You really have to believe that by having this one-on-one -on -one with your directs, that you're doing something good, that you're helping this person thrive. And by doing so, you're gonna thrive as well. So, what I, so the first thing I try to do is have the right mindset, right? There's so many times we have so many things on our plate that we just don't focus when we're meeting with someone, be it someone who works for us or someone that's our child. Right. So, so that focus is important. Then, you know, that using your nonverbals to communicate interest. Um, it might be the case that I need to be appropriately vulnerable which then allows the conversation to be more real and vulnerable. Um, I want to be polite and kind. I want to demonstrate empathy. I want that person to know that I'm listening. You know, I want to be dialed in and truly hearing the questions as opposed to just replacing it with what I want to talk about. So it's just about presence, about mindset. It's about the basics of just good human interaction and trying to connect with another person. What was it like doing your pursuing your PhD in this? Like, what did you even use for resources? <laughs> so my PhD is in organizational psychology, and so I'm drawn to study vexing problems at work and try to bring science to bear to make it better. And you know, we when we conduct research, you know, we use many different methodologies. We can conduct experiments. Um, where people are exposed to certain types of conditions. We can have people keep 
a diary and every time they have a meeting, they provide more input and they do this over a long period of time. We can survey people both at the beginning of their days and after their days to try to understand what's driving their experiences. Mm -hmm. We can actually video one-on-ones and meetings and code the types of behaviors that we see to see if we can glean insights. So there's a whole host of tools that can be applied to understand these fascinating and complex human behaviors at work. All right, so if you want to change your interaction put your, uh, and put your own career on, uh, on jet fuel, pick up uh, Stephen Rogelberg's new book. It is called Glad We Met, The Art and Science of One-on-One Meetings. Thanks, Stephen. Oh, you're welcome. And Brian, an added bonus, um, I'm so passionate around trying to get this material out that I'm donating all my proceeds to the American Cancer Society to support my fabulous sister-in-law, Kathy Lupensky, and her battle against cancer. Nice. Awesome. Uh, Steve, thanks so much. Best of luck. Appreciate it. Cudlow on Fox Business is now on the go for podcast fans. Get key interviews with the biggest business newsmakers of the day. The Cudlow Podcast will be available on the go after the show every weekday at foxbusinesspodcasts.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.